Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the show, we have Aaron and Stephanie, who are best friends and the co-founders of Out of Office Media. They were recently recognized on Forbes 30 Under 30. They've built a buzzy media brand that's bringing along female millennials. They are working with micro-influencers to reach broad brand messaging and like really put out this kind of like small but mighty tribe of people to really share and showcase a message online. And they've also built their own lifestyle brand that has really, truly influence female millennials in New York City. Yeah. So if you are one of those micro influencers that we talk about, so aka you have like less than 10K, less than 5K followers on Instagram, but you've kind of wanted to dabble into working with brands and companies to have another stream of revenue, reach different ways to touch different people on Instagram and in your audience, then this episode is going to be really helpful. There's a lot of strategies shared in here for how you can get started, how you can have really good engagement, and how you can kind of niche down in the lifestyle arena, no matter what your business is. Hey guys, we have another duo with us today. So there's going to be a lot of voices coming in through your ear holes this morning as we're talking about some really cool stuff. We are joined here with Aaron and Steph. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having us. We are so excited to kind of dive in today. I'm I think the topic that we're going to be touching on today is one that our audience is really interested in figuring out how they can tap into kind of no matter how big or small their brand is or how really lifestyle kind of inclined their brand is, but we have a lot of audience members and students who are kind of walking the line similar to what our brand is of starting out as like selling a product or selling digital products and educating and kind of serving their audience in one way. And then they start to get these fans, these raving fans that we call them that really like them for more than maybe what their product is. And they want to know like, 
how do you live your life and what do you use in your everyday and what else is it about you as a mom or a business owner or whatever that we can kind of learn about. And so we've kind of like found that our own business is shifting into this like business lifestyle realm and really like serving our audience in the way that we have in the past couple of years through our programs and our products, but also showing up for them in this like kind of real life kind of way. So I think you guys probably are coming with a bunch of tips on how we and our listeners can find that balance in their own brand and grow something that feels good to them, that sticks around, and that creates that like cult-like following that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, definitely. So what does your business actually do and how do you guys serve these kind of lifestyle brands so our listeners can kind of get some space into what you guys do every day? Yeah, definitely. So our company is called Out of Office Media and we are a new media company that really focuses on a female millennial audience. And so lifestyle brands come to us when they want to get in front of this highly coveted consumer group. And we run advertising campaigns across our website and then our network of micro-influencers as well. So a lot of what we do is very, very content-driven. And of course, a big part of what we do as well is building an audience that's very, very engaged. Because that's very important as you're building your brand. You want this audience, these consumers to stick and keep coming back for more. So how do you think you're getting people to engage with your content when it is potentially something they're interacting with is advertising. I know I have friends in the social media space that some of them have hundreds of thousands of followers. And the moment they post an ad, it's like the people put their hands in their pockets and are afraid to touch their screen. So I'm curious what it is that you feel like you're doing that's encouraging engagement, even when you're posting advertising. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that mostly revolves around the kind of content we're creating. So it's one thing to take a product or a service and just push it in front of your audience. It's another thing to kind of position that product or service in a way that speaks to your audience to really craft a story around it to show how you know your end user might be able to use this product or service. So for example, we've worked with Dunkin' Donuts, which is now Dunkin' Brands for a long time. And they recently, let's see, over the summer, they launched a go-to special. So it's one thing for, you know, they came to us and said, hey, can you help us amplify this go-to's message? And we said, sure. But in order to do that, we need to really make sure that our audience understands the benefit of this go-to special, which was basically a two-for-one type of special that they were offering in the afternoon all summer. So what we did was we kind of created content and asked our influencers to create content around how you and your work bestie or you and your significant other could go out and enjoy this goes to special and also be sharing an intimate moment, which is a little bit stickier. It's something that the end user can really understand rather than kind of just pushing this deal at them. And kind of adding on to that as well, making sure that it's a brand fit. So for instance, if you post about affordable fashion, affordable things to do, for instance, and then you start posting out of nowhere about a luxury experience, that's not something that your audience is used to seeing on your channel. So the engagement might not be as high. So really taking into consideration all of the different types of brands and making sure that it is the right fit for your audience. Yeah. 
Now, I'm a little curious about the micro-influencer aspect of it because I think so often, for so long anyway, I, th- I think other people in our space would say, oh, well, if you don't have X number of followers, then you're just really not going to get these brand deals. You're not going to get the opportunity to work with brands until you hit some arbitrary number in the sky. And I'm curious why you focused on what you're calling micro-influencers and where you feel like that kind of starts for people. Yeah, sure. So since the beginning of our business, and actually when we started a few years ago, I don't think influencer was a was a trending word. So we kind of called everyone a blogger, right? And at the time, we called our network emerging bloggers. We think that while, you know, they are in today's industry called micro influencers, they're growing influencers, right? So while they might have three to 5,000 followers now, they might have 10, 15, 25 in a few months. And so there's a couple of things that brands can gain from these micro influencers. And there's a few ways that micro influencers can approach brands to get these deals. From a brand perspective, it's a really affordable way to create really compelling content. So you have all of these micro-influencers or emerging influencers out there creating really compelling content, trying to create their own brand, and also to try and showcase to future brands what they can do, the kind of work that, that they can create, quality work. So you can work with them to strike a deal to have them create the content for your brand. The other thing you can do is these micro-influencers are highly engaged with their own audience because at the beginning of growing a media property, as you guys know, it's really important to constantly be engaging with your community. And so they're doing that and they're all sharing messages. So by you know seeding your product or your service with one micro-influencer, you're really reaching a whole lot of them. And then the other way around, and we actually held a focus group last night with a handful of micro-influencers from our network to kind of get an understanding of the type of feedback they're getting when they're reaching out to brands, how are brands reaching out to them, what does this process look like? And you're absolutely right. The, the A major part of the feedback that we got is that while they're not at, let's say, 10,000 followers being that arbitrary number... What they do know is that there's numbers on the back end that are showcasing what they can do. They're selling through affiliate links. They have saves. They have shares. They have all kinds of really quality metrics that they can share. So what we'd love to do is kind of help our network of micro-influencers position themselves from an engagement perspective first in order to help educate these brands on how they can get more deals. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we choose to work with this level of influencers especially when an advertiser comes to us to run a campaign, because we know that these influencers really do deliver. You know, to Steph's earlier point, maybe they don't have 10,000 followers, maybe they have 5,000 followers. But by tapping 50 to 100 at this level influencer, you're really getting the reach and you're seeing more of the results on the back end as well. Yeah, I love that. And I think that it serves as a good reminder, not only for brands who might be listening, but for micro soon to be influencers who are listening, I think we oftentimes just like put ourselves in this box of, well, I don't have the swipe up link feature yet, or I don't have, you know, this yet, or I don't have that many analytics. And I think it's really like, we forget how, like I'm growing my personal account right now and I have less than 4,000 followers, but it's like every single comment I'm replying to and like interacting and like the DMs when anything like gets a spike of engagement, I'm like taking 
you know, intense notes about like what people are actually like to follow along, but I'm really having conversations with so many people every single day. And I think that businesses like it's such an opportunity for them for like an insanely low cost so many times to get that reach and get that engagement and that interaction about their product and their brand. And I think, I mean, it sets so many people up for success time and time again. So I love it. Well, okay. I have a funny question for you because I know this podcast is going to come out in February, but everyone knows in January, the trending thing about influencers and social media has been all related to this fire concert and the fire festival and the, the two documentaries that came out on both Netflix and Hulu. And a lot of what went down with that was related to how influencers impacted sales of what was a giant flub, in my opinion. And they're being subpoenaed now, which is (laughs) insane. I know. So I'm curious, I'm assuming you've watched the, the documentary. What do you think, as an influencer, your responsibility is for like, the reputability of a brand you might be working with? Yeah, that's a really good question. And from our personal perspective, Since the brand is our client, we really make sure to advocate for the brand. So that's making sure that we're following FTC guidelines. We have our legal team involved when we're drawing up influencer contracts. And, you know, we really make sure on our end that we get all that verbiage in. I still think that influencers definitely should be knowledgeable about what they are promoting, though, on their end as well, because it's their personal brand. But I would say from our end, we're really concerned from the brand perspective. You know, if we're working within an alcohol brand, for instance, we have very specific guidelines in terms um, of all the legalities. Yeah. And I think, too, from kind of a broader perspective, like Erin mentioned earlier, it's making sure that A, you have a brand fit and B, you're really going with your gut. You know, if the conversation isn't going in a place that you you think makes sense or they're, they're sending up red flags, you have to make sure that you're protecting your brand and your image. So if you're not getting answers to, to the questions that you're asking, then just think about that a little bit more carefully. I mean, we've talked to so many brands over the course of our business, and it's okay to walk away from business if, if you don't feel like it's the right fit for you. Maybe you don't connect with that person on a business values perspective. You know, you always want to make sure that you're looking out for the integrity of your brand and, and, and what you're sending to your audience at the end. Yeah. The amount of like pitches for this show or for our Instagram that we've said no to, because I'm like, what is this company is insane. And so you can, I think there's, there's definitely business or brands, lifestyle brands that will say yes to every single company that like comes their way. And I feel like we can tell that like when we're looking at your feed and it's just like, Oreos and this hotel and like Doritos over here. It's just like very clearly like anything that comes your way, you're saying yes to. But I think honestly, in the long run, to protect your brand and your people who like you're suggesting things to, it's really beneficial, a lot more beneficial in the long run to have a really, really strong filter with who you're saying yes to. Yeah, absolutely. And just to give you kind of an anecdotal evidence of that, I spoke with one of our food bloggers 
a couple of days ago, she came into the office for coffee and she was talking a little bit about these restaurant guides that she's curating. And she was telling me she follows a really popular food blogger here in New York City who generally talks about high-end food experiences and recently started doing a series of posts for McDonald's. And she just really felt like she lost the respect that she had for that particular blogger um, and decided to unfollow that particular blogger. So as we're kind of talking today about how to create an audience that sticks, these are some of the things that we want, you know, the end user to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, I want to talk a little bit more since you have such intimate access with influencers who are landing deals and getting brands and, and working on projects like this. What are some of the things that you're seeing pop up that make it easy for them to start these relationships and and make money from these things and have fun with it. Yeah, fun being the operative word there. <laughs> yeah, so when we started our community a few years ago, we were, I guess, what you would call micro-influencers or emerging influencers at the time. And our goal being from Atlanta, Georgia, was to create a group of friends here in New York City who had a similar interest, but they were also working on a similar kind of project. So we were getting all of these local bloggers together for happy hours, brunches, little meetups and gatherings, which was kind of the unintentional start to our company. But I think it's a lot about networking in person and not just offline or online. Sorry. So again, last night when we had our focus group, it was really refreshing to hear some of the girls say, you know, we just love coming into these intimate events where we can really talk about these things and kind of hash out what kind of problems are you having? Oh, I'm having the same problem. This makes me feel a lot better. Or this is working for me. Why don't you try this as well? And we very much come from this like support other women, girl power perspective. So I think anything where you're building an offline community can really help your online presence too. Definitely. Yeah. And we were really shocked that nothing like this existed in New York City when we started the company. Yeah. But yeah, it's grown. I mean, we have over 5,000 influencers that we work with. Our network grows every day. And we still make it a point to do these small intimate events. We also do larger events where we invite influencers and readers of My Life Out of Office. So that in-person element is something that has been really important to us from the get-go. It's much different to engage in person than on a Facebook group or through Instagram DM. It just makes a huge difference. Yeah, I think it's something like a workout buddy, right? You're more <laughs> likely to go to the gym with a friend. You're more likely to learn more about blogging if you're doing it with a group of friends. So something like that, yeah. Well, I would love to know, uh, you know, if we're going back to this brand that sticks in like building something that people truly care about, I, I'm curious, how are you continuing to intertwine story into what you're doing and making it so that your content is not just beautiful, but interesting to read? How has that been for, I mean, because I feel like some people really specialize in photography versus writing. Have you found that writing tends to be an important piece of the puzzle? Yeah, yeah. definitely for us. And I think it really depends on what your niche is. So for example, if your niche is photography and you're a really amazing travel photographer, the photos might just speak for themselves. And so that's kind of the audience that you're going after. If you're a fashion influencer, it's making sure that you're finding that niche content category. So what are you talking about? Is it affordable fashion? Are you talking about luxury? Are you doing consignment shopping? And really developing your content around those different niches. 
So, you know, for us with My Life Out of Office, we try to have this very approachable, friendly voice for female millennials and really talk about topics that they are actually interested in that they would chat about with their best friend, you know, over a glass of wine. So for us, the writing is very, very important from a content perspective. And we produce a lot of the content in-house. And we also have a lot of our influencers contributing as well to add that extra authority in different categories. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. 
So kind of going back to what I was mentioning earlier, do you, are you working with micro influencers who also have like their own business that they're also trying to integrate like this kind of lifestyle aspect where they can become an influencer? And how are you seeing that, that kind of blend go well? And do you have any tips for people who are trying to figure that out for themselves? Yeah, definitely. We have a lot of that. So for example, one of the influencers we've worked with for a long time is also a stylist. She styled a lot of big shows for New York Fashion Week. She's actually styled some shoots for some of our clients who are advertising through us. And she's recently launched her own styling company. She's got a handful of new associates that work for her. And so the way we've begun to leverage her is as an expert in that field. So when we're talking about anything with, you know, high end fashion, runway styles, anything that's extremely fashion related, we go to her as an expert and a thought leader in that category. Also, we have influencers who are chefs, some of them create we have a chef who does vegan meals for a lot of wealthy private clients in New York City and in the Hamptons. So we leverage her when we're talking about you know healthy recipes or where to eat healthy recipes in New York City. So kind of leveraging those influencers for their full time jobs and for their side hustles and what their expertise is in that content category. Right. And that's kind of how we look at an influencer as well. Right. So yeah, they might post beautiful photos, but taking it a step further offline, how are they actually influential in the community? If they're a fashion blogger, are they a stylist? Are they working for a big designer? If they're a nutrition expert, like, do they actually have any type of degree in that field? What is their authority? to make sure the information we're providing is the best possible. Yeah, I I think that's so important. I know for me, the, the like attempting to grow something along something else that you've already grown has been really interesting because I know for both Emily and I, because there's two of us, our as our one company has shifted to the forefront and grew a bunch of followers along the way, it's been interesting to figure out how our personal lives are both connected and completely disconnected and our interests have diverged in different directions. And I don't know, I I thought at one point that like our current business would be the hub for all of those things. And I've come to realize, at least I think in our in our specific case that it doesn't necessarily make sense to mix the messaging because there aren't, they aren't necessarily topically in the same field. So like where I'm talking about health and wellness and weight loss journeys and cooking every night and all of that, I'm not talking about that over on think creative collective where we're we're teaching people how to build a business online and create a product or a service i'm technically an example of what that can look like over on the side but they're not the same thing do you find that many people end up breaking off and having like have multiple accounts that are pursuing different avenues or has that potentially been hurtful to people Yeah, we've definitely seen people break off and create new accounts. I think, especially if it's something that is so different. So like, for example, if you're posting about all beauty, and then you start posting about like local restaurants, it's such a difference. Sometimes you can weave it in in a way that makes sense if you're kind of like overarching lifestyle. 
But I think once your audience is used to coming to you for a certain kind of content, you might start to lose followers if you're kind of all over the place. So we have seen a lot of our influencers create separate accounts where it makes sense. Yeah. And I don't think I'm going to kind of walk through two types of examples. And I don't think either one is necessarily better than the other. But we do have, like we said, some influencers who work in the field that they're effectively influencing online as well. And then we have influencers who are, say, doing legal work for a big agency or firm, legal firm, and then, you know, doing fashion on the side. And so they have to create a whole new kind of expertise in their own way. So not that either one is necessarily correct, but you can be an expert in more than one area. For sure. Yeah. I think it's been super interesting for us to like kind of see how those arms of our brand that people still tie in with our main business, but like follow for completely different reasons. Like, Yeah. There's a lot of follow crossover, like, cause I recognize the people and I know the the names and like, I'm like, wait, you've bought this product and worked with me over here and also follow me for places. And I, I don't know. Right. I'm sure that's not by accident. Like they chose to make that choice. Right. But it's, but it's interesting odd. to see like the raving fans who have been with, you know, TCC for four years kind of come over and like want to dabble in like whatever I'm doing with my kid or our house or whatever Abby's doing with health and wellness. And so I think we're at that point now of being like, okay, how like how can we actually leverage this and how can we use it intentionally to like weave all three of these kind of stories together? So it's interesting how to merge all of that, but also keep them separate. I think today people are really interested in that personal aspect. So, I mean, yeah. people want yeah. to know the face behind the brand. Who are the founders? They're really interested in that story as well. Yeah. For the longest, we tried to like keep it under one. So like we would do stories where like Abby would have some of her stuff and then I would come on our stories for our business account. But it just felt like like it was like, here's our podcast and here's a digital product. And now Abby's like meal prepping. And so I think we've like Abby was saying, have made the decision to keep that separate, but you never know. Yeah. I'm curious for you guys specifically, because you've developed a lifestyle brand and a media company, are you talking about your media company inside your lifestyle brand or vice versa? Or do you have you developed kind of like a persona and one avenue and then you put on like your CEO, I'm running a media company hat over here? Like, do you separate them or keep them together? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think kind of to piggyback of what you were you guys were saying, we're going through a similar thing or have gone through a similar thing where we're trying to figure out, you know, we know what we're doing, but how to, what does that look like to our audience? And then like you said, for us, we've kind of got a B2B element where we're trying to work with advertisers and sell businesses on what mm-hmm. we're doing, but we also have a B2C element where we're talking directly to our consumers through the website. And so what what our company story looks like is different to those two groups of people. And so we're constantly tweaking and repositioning and talking about what is our what does our business do? What what do we do based yeah. on who yeah. we're talking to? Well and there's two of you, which is like sometimes like everyone always asks us like how do you find a business partner? And I need one. And this is super helpful, which it is obviously that's why we're together. But when it comes to messaging, I think it really makes everything a lot more difficult. Yeah. 
Definitely. I'd say people asking us how we found a business partner is probably one of the most frequently asked questions. And that's why we didn't ask you because it's like impossible. Because it's answer. really annoying <laughs> and I'm so tired of answering it. So don't tell me. You're like, I don't know, get along with another human and then decide to open right. a business right. together. Exactly. <laughs> so I think kind of going into our talk strategy to me, I would love to hear, you know, along the like developing a following that sticks and like getting people engaged, what are three to five action steps you think someone can take to increase engagement on their social media to prepare themselves to like take on a more influencer role? Yeah. So I think the first point, which might be obvious, but is hard is figuring out What type of content do I want to create that stands out and that fills a need? Sometimes you get really wrapped up in like what you think people really want to see, but you should look at it from another perspective. So really drilling down on what you want to offer your audience. What are they coming to you for? And then really making sure that you're pushing that out and trying different things. So I mean, it might not be right the first time you do it. You might try to start a company and you're pushing affordable fashion and and all that. And then you see that luxury works better for you, for instance. So not being afraid to try different content and see it fail and tweak kind of as you go. So that would be the first thing is really drilling down on what you are providing and why you're providing it. And then I think number two is just continuing to engage with your audience. So communicating with them, not speaking at them. So being really diligent about responding to comments, responding to DMs, and looking at the type of comments that you're getting and tweaking your content from the engagement as well. Yeah. So we always say you never want to set it and forget it. If you're putting out content, make sure you're looking for the responses and that you're engaging with that community, especially at the beginning. That's the best way to get users to stick. Yep. And then engaging with other like-minded users. So if you're trying to be an influencer, going through and finding other influencers that kind of cover similar topics and different topics and building a community that way to increase your engagement. Right. So for example, if you're a fashion influencer in New York City, you might want to go through the NYC style influencer hashtag, look at who's in there, see what kind of niches they're providing, engage with them, and make sure you're really communicating with that niche audience. Yeah. And then I would say the third thing is ask for feedback. So don't just assume, like Steph mentioned, we just had a focus group where we had some of our readers and influencers in, and we just took that time to drink some wine and ask them a bunch of questions. And so we gathered a lot of really great insight. Instagram story polls is a great tool to use for brands and influencers. Ask your audience questions and find out a lot of cheap information that way. Yeah. And additionally, if you have an email newsletter, that's a great way to do it. You can throw a Google form in there with a single question. If it just takes a few seconds, people will probably fill it out. You could also ask them over Instagram stories, open-ended questions and have them DM you. So there's a lot of different ways to ask for that feedback, but it's important. So for example, for us, We assumed that our audience would be really into luxury vacations. And when we really drilled down, it turns out they're actually looking for really affordable vacations, um, something that they can get a deal on. That's something that we wouldn't have known had we not asked the question. 
I've seen this pop up a lot. I feel like after the new year, it was like a lot of people wanted kind of a refresh of their content. And so like literally like asking in your stories, would you rather read about this or this and give them examples of stuff you've done in the past or ideas that you have for the future. I like, and I love voting on those polls from people that I follow. So get your people to do it because I think it's super helpful. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for all of this. If there's anything you wanted to add, definitely let us know. But Definitely tell people where they can hang out with you online and on Instagram and learn more about what you do. Yeah, definitely. So you can read more on mylifeoo.com. Follow us on Instagram at, at mylifeoo. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you Thank so much. You. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy-to-customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.